0: Welcome to the Vets First Podcast, a research-based conversation centered around the VA healthcare system, its services, and patients. From Iowa City, Iowa, here's your hosts, Dr. Levi Sowers and Brandon Ray.
1: Welcome to the first episode of the Vets First Podcast. My name is Levi Sowers. I'm a PhD at the VA Center Medical Center in Iowa City, Iowa, and my co-host is uh, my name is Brandon Ray. I'm a
0: technician for Dr. Sowers, uh, appointed at the VA as well.
1: So the goal, the goal of our podcast uh, when we first set out to, on this adventure uh, to create this recording for veterans was to really communicate research to the veteran. Um, we, we, were, we were sitting around thinking about how to better communicate what we do as researchers here at the VA and at the University of Iowa to the veteran population that may not know about it. Um, And oftentimes these things are difficult to communicate, so we wanted to be able to take what we do and turn it into a conversation with a veteran. And so Brandon and I came up with the idea of starting this podcast uh, to do that very thing. And so the goal that we have come to is to introduce researchers at the VA, what they work on, how they work on it, why they work on it, and why it matters to them to work for the VA. In addition to that, we think that it's often a problem that veterans are not heard, that their problems are not heard in the greater community. And we want to be able to communicate their voices to a greater audience, specifically to the researchers that are involved in the VA. We're gonna discuss a multitude of of different topics as we move through this podcast. We're gonna talk about headache, Brandon's going to talk about looking at pain in animals and how this all relates back to the to the veteran and why it's important for the veteran. So we're going to start by introducing a little bit of what we do. I'm going to let Brandon go first. Brandon is a technician in my laboratory. He went to the University of Iowa. Um, what did you study? Uh, comprehensive biology. Comprehensive biology, nice. Um, and so he did a four-year degree here. And then started working in Andy Russo's laboratory, uh, of which I am now a part of as well. And he is going to tell you a little bit about what he does so you can get to know us a little bit. Brandon, where did you actually grow up at? How, how did you even come to be in science? Uh,
0: I actually grew up uh, just south of Dubuque, Iowa, uh, in a small town uh, called Bernard, Iowa. I uh, only had a population of 91 at the time, um, and so my last name is Ray, I lived on Ray Road. My grandfather was the mayor of the town for a short period of time, and my uncle runs one of the two bars, so it's safe to say uh, you're about as
1: uh, rural as you can come. All small towns have to have a bar, right? Yes. <laughs> <That's all laughs> if there's one thing in any small town Iowa, uh, it's, it's a bar.
0: Bars, church, uh, and perhaps a stoplight if you are on the (laughs) higher end of the population.
1: So uh, where'd you go to high, or high school at? Because I'm assuming these small towns, a lot of times in Iowa, for those who don't know, these small towns don't have their own high school. They're often shared with multiple small towns. Right,
0: right. So I went to high school uh, in the neighboring town of Cascade, Iowa. It was about 10 miles from my house.
1: Uh,
0: I remembered that I would have a hour and a half bus ride in the morning uh, because you have to drive around the countryside picking up all the kids. Um it was not too bad. Winter time, being first on the bus, warming up the seats uh, was never very fun, but uh, it was an experience I would not trade. Nice. So then you went to high school where? Uh, Cascade, Iowa. Cascade, Iowa. Cascade, Iowa.
1: And so then. So then uh, you went off to the University of Iowa, right?
0: Right, I went to the University of Iowa afterwards. Uh, I have always been interested in science and research, Uh, growing up watching science fiction, reading science fiction, and then seeing that you can actually become a scientist and turn that fiction into reality uh, seemed pretty enticing. So I went to the University of Iowa uh, for a Bachelor of Science degree in Comprehensive Biology. Uh, I had trouble deciding on a specific track, whether it be uh, evolutionary, uh, genetics. Um, so with the comprehensive track, I got to sample in all methods that are biology. Nice. When did you start in Andy's lab? I started in Dr. Russo's lab in 2011 as a senior. Um, after working for a few months, I was given a project, or rather um, felt I could take on a project, looking at uh, blood vessel dilation in migraine models of mice, uh, for, uh, specifically the uh, middle cerebral artery and the basilar arteries in the brain of the mice. Uh, I was looking at different compounds that could help the dilation of blood vessels during migraine. Um, so that's where I learned many of the surgical techniques that I employ today in terms of looking at uh anything related with vasculature or brain uh in the mouse animal model
1: of migraine Mm -hmm. yeah and so you know continuing down that line of of questioning here um it's like i'm interviewing you even though we're going to be the ones interviewing people as we move forward here (laughs) pretty much um you know what 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 really drew you to research um, being
0: able to, what really drew me to research, being able to actively think on the job, uh, working growing up, um, particularly on the farm, you would have to actively think of solutions to problems that would arise, and it was never really a mundane task, even though some days felt like that, um, to figure out solutions to achieve a goal. And research, uh, along with having a uh, an affinity towards uh, science. Um, and that regard, uh, allows you to actively think and actively solve problems, so going to work never seems like dull monotony, uh, in a sense. Uh, you're going in with a purpose and uh, it's something that I thoroughly enjoy.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so a little bit about me, uh, I grew up in Iowa as well, in a town called Perry, Iowa, uh, in central Iowa. I uh, I grew up on a little farm just north of Perry. I spent my days running around in fields um, uh, cutting down thistles that I thought were enemies. It was a pretty good childhood. I got to use my imagination a lot. And from a very early age, my dad got me interested in how the world worked. And And uh, he bought me this. I remember him buying me this little microscope when I was like 10. And I used it to look at everything I possibly could under it, like my own spit. And um, just basically anything I could like cut open. I remember cutting open a worm. And looking at the worm blood underneath it (laughs) just really random stuff like that and so um when i went to high school i was kind of a drifter i didn't you know i just kind of drifted around a lot during high school and then i finally and i went to high school in perry iowa perry was big enough to have its own own high school at the time in like cascade and then what i did was i i became even more interested i think the only classes that really interested me besides some of my english courses were uh, science courses, and so I was like, "Hey, I'm going to go to school for uh, what I started originally as. I was going to go to school for computer science, but I ended up hating it. I cannot do programming, and so I ended up going to school for uh, uh, to be a lab tech in a um, in a hospital, drawing blood and things like that, running running blood samples. And as I moved through college at the University of Iowa, I decided that that wasn't going to be for me as well. Uh, I spent five years here as an undergrad, and then when I I finally decided to go to grad school and get my PhD in molecular and cellular biology, where I did my PhD at the University of Iowa with a a doctor named Alex Basouk, who's a pediatric neurologist, I studied uh, epileptic seizures and autism at the time, and as I progressed into my 1st postdoc, I was just having my first kid with my wife at the time, and we... I decided that I didn't want to move away from Iowa, so we ended up staying here and I joined uh, George Richardson's laboratory who's the head of neurology here and worked on uh, sudden unexpected death and epilepsy for a couple years and then I moved over to the VA Center for the Prevention and Treatment of Visual Loss and there I study migraine headache and post-traumatic headache under the tutelage of Dr. Andy Russo. Uh, And so I have a career development award through the VA which allows me to be semi-independent from Andy Russo. I specifically study the neuroanatomy or the underlying brain regions that contribute to the development of light light aversion in headache or photophobia. So people with migraines, when they get these really bad headaches, they often have uh, an an aversion to light. And so uh,
0: to specifically normal or normally not not noxious levels of light. uh, Yeah, that's a really good point. Right.
1: And so we, and and people might be like, well, just put on some sunglasses or take a a couple pills. But in reality, migraines are much more than just a headache. Uh, It's one of the most debilitating diseases in the world. And people who suffer from migraine headaches uh, in the United States alone, are costing the economy about 13 to $15 billion a year just in time lost. So it's quite quite a burden, and it's also really common in the veteran population where, uh, especially combat veterans who have served in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, get a significant amount of migraine headaches as well as post-traumatic headaches. So those veterans who suffer a TBI or a traumatic brain injury event during service can then get chronic headaches that can be lifelong thereafter and and it's it's actually quite a high percentage. I think it's upwards of 50% of veterans who get TBI will end up getting chronic post-traumatic headache uh, which can also be quite debilitating and what's interesting about the two diseases is that they're quite similar. So uh, at least clinically they're almost the same thing. Whether or not What's going on underneath the surface in the brain is the same thing I think is yet to be determined. But uh, for now, this is what I'm working on. Uh, as I said, Brandon and I are going to do our best to communicate research uh, in, in terms that, that we can understand and that you can understand because a lot of these people I even talk to, it sounds like a foreign language to me. I remember I when I first started grad school, I would go to scientific talks and be like, Oh my God, what I get myself into? I can't understand anything that's going on. So. I think it's really important that we, as researchers, communicate what we do in terms that people can understand, that normal people can understand, and uh, uh, also get the veteran closer to us and let them know what we're doing, right, on a personal level. Who are we? What do we do? How do we communicate to you, uh, to veterans, in a better, a better way? And so.
0: Right. I think it's communication is, is really the, the key factor that we're trying to address. Um, particularly people with migraines uh, being told that take an Advil or whatnot, specifically by people who obviously don't get migraines, I'm sure can become very frustrating about just how debilitating that pain is. Um, I myself do not get migraines, but my father gets cluster headaches and um He's a former farmer and a machinist, and probably one of the uh, toughest guys I know. And to see him be completely taken out for days at a time when he gets a cluster headache, though different than migraine, just highlighting uh, that amount of pain that someone can experience. And when you yourself don't have that experience, in particular if you're seeing a physician or a therapist or somebody else who may not be experiencing the same type of ailment that you are, um, really trying to reach across and communicating that and bridging both gaps
1: is uh, very important. Do you have any family members that have served in the military, or my cousin Joey serves
0: in the Navy and currently. Currently, oh, that's cool. um, I honestly can't remember. I haven't been in contact in a while. I Can't remember what his uh, ranking is right now. Uh, I can feel the ears burning of my family members back in Saint uh <laughs> where he's originally from. As I should probably know this, yeah. but I know. Yeah, you should. You should probably. I should know that. this. I yeah. should know this. He's my uh, brother's godfather, uncle. Um, oh, cool. um, uh, but yeah, he was on one of the carriers, I believe, during the Shock and Awe, um, oh, interesting. Uh years ago yeah. uh, overseas. Um, haven't really had a chance to discuss with him about his service. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I'm in that population of naive, naivety in a sense that uh, I'm fairly disconnected from what actually occurs in the military community, uh, and acknowledging that I have that lack of knowledge mm-hmm. and trying to understand rather than smile and nod along, I think, well will hope, will be beneficial as we uh, delve ahead in these podcasts
1: yeah of course you know i had a i had several family members that served uh both my grandfathers were in world war ii one was in the air force one was in the or the coast guard actually Uh, but he served alongside the navy uh while he was over in japan Mm -hmm. and uh his ship was torpedoed twice so he lived through two of those i remember him telling me the stories and reading a little bit of his of his uh, memoir that he wrote and uh, my other grandpa, Jim, he served. He was an Air Force uh, airplane mechanic uh, during World War II, and both of them have passed away within the last five or six years. And then most importantly to me and why I really got interested in serving veterans and doing research for veteran um, uh, problems concerning veterans is that my cousin Jesse, who's like my brother, is... Uh, was in the Marine Corps for five years, and when we were both leaving high school, he ran. He went off to Marine Corps boot camp, and I went off to my cushy college uh, to live in my dorm and have fun and party while he's busting his butt in uh, boot camp. But as he went off to, as he went off to to boot camp, I remember being like, "Hey, this guy's going to go serve our country," and. I'm just going to college to learn about things. How can I better serve uh, my country through what I did? And, you know, I'm, it, it comes full circle now where, you know, he's out of the military and his time in there was, was super good for him. It really put him on the, the correct path in life uh, for, for him and for me. It, it, it really gave me this sense of service to be able to take what I've done, get a Ph.D., and then give back to veterans for what they've done for us. And I think, so that's pretty cool that I've been given this opportunity to to communicate what we do and what researchers do to veterans. And so I'm pretty excited about this project. I think uh, it could be successful. Who knows? Maybe no one will listen to us. Maybe we're just talking into the void right now, Brandon. Maybe, but, maybe the first impression will be like, I really don't like these guys. Well, yeah. Hopefully
0: it's our interviewees <laughs> you'll be listening to more than us. Uh, um,
1: but. <laughs> but this is going to be a team effort and the people that we interview, uh, it'll get better and better as we move along. Uh, it's a little awkward first to be able to sit down with someone, and interview them and not not feel strange. So yeah. we're trying to make it conversational in nature. Uh, I tend to enjoy podcasts like that, and mm-hmm. we'll do our best to make this a smooth, a smooth project as we go forward. Right. I
0: think one of the things I learned growing up was uh, if you cannot explain something simply, you likely don't know it well enough, and I think that's going to be important moving forward with this podcast um, to really convey what's going on research-wise here, how it actually affects, even when at face value it doesn't really seem like this has anything, whoever we're talking to, wherever the topic is, might have anything to do with uh, helping veterans, but hopefully making those connections uh, down the road will really highlight uh, how uh, really paying it back to uh, our servicemen and women who have given their all to the country doesn't ring hollow in a sense.
1: So I'd like to thank Brandon for being my co-host. Once again, I'm Levi Sowers. This is Brandon Ray. And thank you for listening to the Vets First podcast.
0: This concludes today's Vets First podcast. For questions or comments relating to the program, please direct email correspondence to vetsfirstpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.